Gardening Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday mornings come around again, and it's time for Let's Talk Gardening. And Happy New Year to everyone out there, our dear gardening friends, hoping you are all plantastically well. I have Andrea Whiteley with me today, and Faye will be calling in later this morning to have a chat with us as well. And we are looking forward to hearing what you've all been up to these past weeks. How have your gardens coped with the heat and the heat to come as well? And the garden team is ready. We've got Bev Daring and John Glidden. The lines are open. 94841927 and you can email us our email address gardening at curtainfm.com.au and a big shout out to Chris Bartlett and Mark Carlton and you can catch Chris actually again tomorrow evening after 9pm between 9pm and midnight Chris Bartlett Andrea Whiteley, good morning and thank you for coming in. Good morning and uh, happy January. It's nearly finished. Can I know, we're it? halfway through, aren't we? I know. Halfway through. It's gone quickly. It's We've... a funny month, isn't it, January? It is, of... it is a funny month because I think a lot of people are still, maybe people coming back to work in the last week. I think, you know, there's still a little bit of hit and miss out there. It's quiet. Ish. The roads are nice and quiet. Oh, I enjoy that. Yeah, you, know, the, you can actually hear the birds. <laughs> exactly. It's very nice. I don't yes. mind that at all, actually. So, well, we'll be speaking to you shortly, Joyce. We're going to be talking to Joyce about worms. But this morning's program, we will be chatting with Faye. Faye's down in Margaret River uh, today. Lucky, lucky, lucky duck. <laughs> uh, about twenty past eight, she's going to call in and say good day to everybody. And at five past nine, we're chatting with Grady Brand. Now, Grady was the former curator at uh, Kins Park and Botanic Garden. And we're just talking to him a little bit about plants' responses to climatic conditions, which is obviously very much uh, in our forethoughts at the moment. It's given... a hot topic. It's a hot topic. <laughs> All right. I mean, I feel I find trying to keep the gardens going and you slide into survival mode. It's it's tiring. It is tiring, but uh, you know what? If you get out early in the morning yeah. with the, the end of the hose and uh, maybe a nice hot cup of tea, yeah, uh, it's very therapeutic oh, getting out there and just making sure all of your pots have been watered and yeah, everything's had a good deep water early mm. in the morning. That's the best chance of survival for most plants. So yeah. Yeah. Look, there's some things that you just are not going to be able to save. Things like um, yeah, right. agapanthus, for example. They're if you have four to... days of 40 degrees plus pieces they just end up all the leaves shrivel and turn white into paper it's awful before Mm. your very eyes and there's absolutely nothing that you can do to save it but you know what they're tough they'll come back they do bounce back and don't peel the leaves off just let those leaves be because they actually provide protection for the new growth yeah exactly so we'll touch on any tips that you've got and and ways that we can anticipate and do our best to look after our plants plants what's left of our gardens i should say all right straight out to the lines we're in rockingham happy new year joyce how are you new year to all of you yes you've been a great help i have been as you say out early in the garden 
um, doing it before the heat. Yes. Um, I emptied my compost tumbler and started filling it up again from the two square bins that I've got. And I came across a great big mass of lovely, juicy purple worms. Well, how fantastic, Joyce. You lucky, lucky person. Yeah, well, the thing is, I'm afraid to put them in the compost tumbler because they'd fry in there, wouldn't they? Absolutely. So the idea of compost is that it's a a six-week end-to-end process that requires heat for action. So it's a bit of a science experiment. If you add the worms, all that you're doing is adding a bit of uh, protein into the mix. So we don't want to be doing that. No. (laughs) (laughs) You're better off to... um, uh, be very grateful for those worms and you know, put them into the garden. Just you separate that big clump of them and just spread yeah. them through the garden and they'll find their way down deep. Uh, as the weather warms up, they'll go deeper and they'll do what they need to do. They'll um, um, uh, do all their wee below the surface and uh, they'll fertilise your plants for you. So that's a lucky find, Joyce. Oh, yeah. I've been feeding them with the kitchen scraps and and then the lawn mowing clippings go on top of them. Yeah. I'm down to them again and I don't like to put them in the compost, in the tumbler. Oh, no, you must not put them in the tumbler. But, you know, you can quite happily keep them if you've got them in a uh, polystyrene box or a, an, an actual worm farm. You can keep them in that. And they absolutely love um, the outer casings of uh, rock melon, cantaloupe, or pineapple skins. They absolutely will go mad for that. They'll come up to the surface and it'll all be gone by the time you wake up the next morning. <laughs> Um, things that they don't love so much, are they, you know, newspaper. Well, would you rather eat newspaper or pineapple? I know what I'd like to eat. <laughs> so uh, if you, you can give them a bit of newspaper, a little bit of cardboard, but um, adding some, some tasty morsels of fruit and veg, they'll absolutely love that. Oh, thank you so much. I, I thought it was wrong to put them in the, the tumbler, uh, but that's going with my second load of uh, compass compost for the uh, year very good they don't like uh they don't really like onion skins too much i think it's too hard for them to munch on so don't put them in put them in the compost tumbler the onions all right okay then thank you very much for your help have a great day joyce (laughs) yeah and i'll spread them around the garden fantastic cheers joyce in between times i'm uh deadheading the sunflowers and the uh other flowers that are in the garden. Yeah, yeah, good idea. All right, love, you take care. Stay cool in the heat. Cheers for now. And let's head to Callum Scott. Good day to Ron. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I, I think, it, in a sense, I think you've sort of answered my question. Um, I, bought, uh, I bought a lot of beautiful geraniums a couple of weeks ago from Bunnings and uh, and that, uh, and the the heat is is just sort of yeah. killed them. When's the the best time to water is what, first thing in the morning? So, yes, Ron, definitely first thing in the morning is best for geraniums because otherwise um, if you leave it till later in the day, the water will sit on the surface of the leaves and you can end up with powdery mildew on the uh, on the geranium. So we don't want that. What you can do is um, you can slightly deadhead. So you'll see some of the flowers will have uh, shriveled up and died. I would remove them 
a.m. Um, and then just make sure that they get some water in the morning, but not every day. Geraniums, are, you'll see them in lots of really old West Australian gardens mm. uh, around the suburbs of Subiaco and so on, around those beautiful Federation homes. And the reason why you see them in those gardens is because they're a very, very tough plant. They're what we call a nana plant because our yeah. nanas used to plant yeah. them and break them off and, and put new cuttings in the ground so they ended up with a good uh, selection of them in their gardens and swap cuttings and things like that. So they're a super tough plant and even the new cultivars are very tough. So just the only deadheading that you need to do for them is to remove the spent blooms and um, just water in the morning. But they're very tough. They'll come back. Thanks for that. I mean, uh, it's. I heard they were pretty hardy, and that's the reason I've got them because I've got them on the, on my front garden where you, where you get the early sun. You know. Yes. Are they in the ground, Rob? Beg your pardon. Are they in the ground or in pots? Oh no, in the ground. Okay. Yeah. No, you could um, you could have improved. You could improve the soil when the weather cools down a little bit. Improve the soil with some mature compost and maybe um, do some straw mulch around the base of them. That would help them along, and they'll be a lot healthier. But look, generally they are super tough, and they they're really great for West Australian gardens. So they so they're not dead forever, sort of thing. Well, hopefully not. No. <laughs> Keep the water up to them, and they'll be fine. Well, thanks for your help, love. Thanks, You're welcome. Ron. Cheers for that. And let's head to Mandra saying hello to Shirley. Good morning, Shirley. Oh, good morning. I've got a query. I went to an open garden last year and they had cannas growing in water. Mm. And uh, I think cannas are, are beautiful flowers in the garden. And I've got a pond that's got a bit murky, shall I say. Uh, and um, I thought, no, I don't want to put holes in the bottom of the rubber pond. But I thought I could plant um, cannas in water, but would you weigh the pots down? Would you plant them in those little marbles of soil? Um, So, Shirley, um, they will do extremely well in a pot, um, but I would put them into a a decent-sized big pot um, and they will do well in the water and they provide a beautiful tall statement in a pond. They're really lovely and they so they give you that height that you need to uh, create that uh, sort of a garden within a garden, if you like, inside the pond. They'll do extremely well. They'll flower in there. Um, but you will need to repot them um, as they grow uh, because the, if they get too pot-bound, they won't flower as prolifically. So it's a a really good idea to put them into a decent sized pot so that you don't have to be to reaching with. in mm-hmm. and yeah mm-hmm. put them into a decent sized pot to begin with maybe bigger than you normally would uh, just a plastic pot with holes in the bottom of it and yes you can weigh it down with a brick uh, yeah. for sure that's exactly how I thought but I wanted to check to be sure there's a bit of algae in the water would that hurt the plants not at all not at all um, okay. they'll and in fact you know the roots will tend to take up some of that algae and um, they'll use that as fertilizer for the plant so um, no they're a great plant to grow in water yes, that's great I have got a couple of old cement pots would they be better to put no, in no I would use plastic pots Shirley would be my recommendation Okay. Because one, otherwise, if they're if you put it in a concrete pot, what's going to happen? It's going to be super super heavy. Remember mm. the old uh, gangster movies with the concrete boots, <laughs> <laughs> and you'll never be able to get it back up again to repot it. 
So that's oh, what you need, uh, just a plastic pot that you can then reach in and grab it out and, you know, drain it off occasionally, give it a bit of fertiliser and pop it back in because you might not want to fertilise it um, while it's in the pond because it might disrupt the, the pH level of the water for the for the fish, if you've okay, got fish. Yeah. So you might want to lift it out, fertilise it and then pop it back in again. Much easier. Yeah. Oh, now, hello to Mandra Gardeners. <laughs> oh, hello, Mandra Gunners, you lucky people down there. We get the beautiful cooler. sea breeze. Yeah. Yes. It's wonderful. And we've got a new pool on the foreshore, so come and have a look at that. Oh, I love Mandra. It's a yeah, lovely place. Yeah, I do too. You yeah. feel like you're going on holidays just yeah. an hour down the road. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Shirley, go well. Take care. Bye-bye. Cheers for that. Bye, Shirley. Yeah, it is a lovely part of the world. And, uh, yes, we do have a very hot week coming up. What can we do? What sort of things should we be thinking about are you into uh covering plants for example personally i don't have the time for that you know yeah. my life is too full i i i okay yeah yeah so um i tend to um uh, make sure that the plants that i grow apart from agapanthus which i love and just exist in my front garden um that they grow they grow for these conditions. So mm. I try not to have too many plants that are really going to fry. Mm. Um, unfortunately, though, there's, there's things that you think will be super tough, like, say, a viburnum I'm, hedge. I know what you're going to say. Uh, and I've then planted lots of viburnum yeah. hedges uh, over the years in people's gardens, and those plants do tend to fry. They go brown and crispy mm. on the top, mm. and you think, oh, my goodness, I think we've lost our hedge. But no, you haven't. The, the, the good news is you have not lost it, but leave the brown crispy stuff on mm, the top it's very mm, important mm. exactly for what's about to happen so we had four days over 40 mm. we've we've got brown crispy on the top of our hedges or trees even even things like oleander have you mm. know suffered in those mm. four days because mm. it's just it's really um brutal it's, on the it's, garden. it's extreme yeah. yeah so what happens is then we have a break which we've had now it's been beautiful and now we're going to have another burst of it and then what will happen is we have another a little break and then another burst in February mm. so if you trim all the brown stuff off yeah. so that your hedge looks lovely and green again what will happen is you'll have new shoots in between and then we'll back it up with another hot day and then we'll get the the burn again and the plant then will really start to show signs of a wilt mm. and and not surviving so leave those brown crispy leaves even on agapanthus leave them alone i know as tempting as it is to clean it up leave mm. it alone because that protects the new growth that's coming through you know, against Behind to give you some it. defense against yeah. this next 40 degree day that we're having. The other thing that you can do, there's a polymer spray yes. that you can buy. Mm. Um, Drought shield. Yes. Um, and uh, you can spray that on the leaves of the delicate plants that you have in your garden. Mm -hmm. And that will give some protection. You must spray it in the morning, though. Don't spray it in the heat of the day. Mm. Make sure you don't spray your plants with things like white oil mm. at this time because that's a petroleum oil that will just burn the plant even more. Mm. So if you're treating for pests and diseases, don't do it in on these hot days. <coughs> Correct. Um, but yes, that polymer spray is definitely very good for delicate plants. Um, mm. it, will it save a hydrangea? I don't think so. Uh, you can give it a try for sure. It's better than nothing. Better I've, than nothing. I've been using it on select plants. I mean, yeah. I couldn't afford to spray it all over my garden. I would it is if I quite could. expensive and it also is. hard to get. Like, yeah, there's not a lot well. of it around. Exactly. Yeah. 
Uh, but I have been using it and it definitely has helped. Oh, it helps. I mean, sure. I, I have a new shade house and 50% shade cloth and only gets probably a couple of hours of direct sunlight each day and plants in there have burnt badly as well. Know. You know, it, you can see where the sun comes I'm in on a certain angle, angle. Exactly. and it's just exactly those plants have burnt. Exactly. It's heartbreaking, isn't it? It is heartbreaking. <laughs> it's very, It's I, yeah, it's a little bit depressing. I know. Look, let's not be depressed. I know, <laughs> I know. But it, it gets a little bit like, oh, all that work and it happens so fast it happens so and fast. and sometimes we are kind of aware but we, we react too slowly to oh, I don't know about you but I'm not out in the garden when it's 45 degrees I'm yeah. laying in front of the air conditioning yeah <laughs> reading a book or watching a but good show if, if you had time or time is it worth covering plants you know people cover them in sheets and yes, all sorts they of do. things and you know what you have to I think if you have a delicate garden mm. then yes you do have to take those steps if mm. you've got plants that maybe you've been uh, collecting for years, then absolutely I would be doing that. Well, you see a lot of the old uh, gardens with the little beach umbrellas protecting their hydrangeas yeah, see and that things a lot. like that. Yeah. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And yeah, we've got to do everything we can. Yeah. And just thank goodness that we're not in the Pilbara where it's 50 degrees. Yes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> there are mercies. All right, back in a moment. Teleton Radio. And we are here, don't worry, always busy behind the scenes. Uh, Andrea Whiteley in the studio with me this morning. And we're about to say good morning to uh, my partner in crime who happens to be in Margaret River, Lucky Duck. And uh, she's just going to drop in and say Happy New Year to everyone, aren't you, Faye? Uh, good morning, Ray and Andrea. Happy New Year, everyone. Good morning, yes. Faye. I've been listening to you girls. You're on the mark, I have to say. But, you know, I am that crazy gardening lady that's out there when it's 40-plus degrees, <laughs> seeing what's out there and just surveying what's going on in the garden. But I bet you're not <laughs> digging. Oh, well, no, but one day it was like 36 degrees at 6 o'clock and I did plant out another little pocket of garden bed mm. with native plants that I just knew would be better in the ground than in the pots in yeah. the state house. Yeah. Well, sometimes you just have you know, to do that. And as a, well, a you know a landscaper, you have no choice about doing those sorts of well, things. That's right. But the other thing, you know, Andrew, you were talking about the agapanthus and how they can fry, nothing you can do about it. I have got a strip that borders my garden and as much as I curse the gum trees and their leaves... They protect I, it. I, I believe that going forward, canopy is our answer. Oh, big time. And mm. with, with the water um, issues that we have and are going to continue to have, if you've got deciduous trees, for example, they're going to give you an umbrella over your plants. They'll let the sun in in the winter... And when they drop their leaves, they're going to feed your soil. So it, in a tropical garden, it could be your frangipanis and native frangipanis. Uh, in an exotic garden, you've got your crepe myrtles and other beautiful deciduous trees. And in an Australian garden, of course, we've got gums and a range of other layered plants that can provide some canopy too. Absolutely right. Yes, uh, best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> we really do need to plant more trees. And, you know, the, it, you can even plant trees in pots. If you've got a tiny little courtyard, if you plant a tree in a large pot, um, it will provide that canopy for your um, plants in their next layer down. Uh, so there's no reason why anyone should be without trees in their garden. 
Now, for everyone out there who's suffering with the heat, I would just like to say many of us at this time of year think to ourselves that we're not a gardener. It's, it's, we go into limp mode and it, it might all get too hard. But you can shift your focus to something else. I've been sorting out collections and organising my shed tools. Andrea, I know you were going to talk about cleaning up tools when it's too hot to garden. And another thing, on Boxing Day, after wandering around the garden, it was bothering me that I had bromeliads that were not looking too flat and they needed a bit of work over. So the trestle tables that were set up for Christmas lunch became potting benches. I hope you took the tablecloth off, eh? (laughs) Oh, no, I just layered newspaper on top, Andrea. Uh And bit by bit, I I brought my pots in, I scrubbed them in the kitchen sink. They Mm -hmm. were all spider-free. And little bit by little bit, I repotted, I'm not crazy, over 100 bromeliads. Well, that's a great um, activity to do under the shade. You know, you can do that in your alfresco area and just do some, just do it Or in phase distance in the air conditioning in the house. Yeah, in her kitchen. You can watch watch a movie. Whatever it takes. Mm. Plod along. I I achieved quite a bit. I was quite pleased. And nothing has to happen fast in the summer. Everything can just go a little bit slower, which is very nice. I like that pace of life. And, yeah, you said getting out in the garden, whether it's morning or, you know, later at night when the heat's gone out of the day, sprinkling a little bit of water around. But the best thing about that is watching what your plants are doing, just keeping on top of things and being aware of, you know, who needs what. And lots of plant shuffling, I have to say, with the pot. Yes, exactly. Mm. So Grady Brand's going to talk to you later about... West Australian plants and where, where, why they're so good for our gardens um, because they cope with these sort of conditions. But the other type of garden that is just looking its best at this time of year are the tropical style gardens. No, they love the warmth. Mm. They do. You know, the orchids um, benefit by their late in the day watering to emulate the monsoons. We've got cannas like one lady was talking about earlier. I mean, they're just the stars of the season. They tolerate the dry, but they don't mind having their feet wet either. So there's still lots of choices for people out there. Well, the frangipanis are going off at the moment. Oh, my goodness. They're just glorious. Everywhere you look, they're beautiful. And they need the heat to bring out the flowers. They're gorgeous. Yeah, so speaking of canopies. mm -hmm. Yeah, and they're late this year, aren't they? They are a little bit later, I agree. Um, I've got one that's just budding up now. It's super late um, mm. and I don't know what really, really why. It's had the same treatment as every other year but um, maybe it's just sort of holding off and then going to burst forth with flowers. Well, I think we were very wet. Mm, I think we're... winter and early spring. We're so. still trailing, aren't we? Yeah. Mm. And yeah. even the agapanthus. I mean, yeah. mine are in full flower and here we are mid-January. Same. Like, they're normally Same. kicking off mine in too. November. I'm mm. glad because they look glorious. Yes. <laughs> oh, what... there's lots of things out there to, to enjoy. There are. And so what are you doing down there, Faye? Are you uh, in, in gardening? Uh, does that filter into your days at the moment or are you just purely being um, a nana? 
I well, pretty much, Nana. I have an entourage mm. of four. Yeah, I don't know how you do it. Under <laughs> nine years of age. Uh, mm. So we're going to do some beach studies and nature studies. Um, mm. We had a swim in a cold pool yesterday, so they all slept well yeah. till five o'clock this morning. So we're enjoying the early morning sunrises mm. and, you know, just, yeah, listening to the birds and playing with the leaves and just opening them up to nature's world out there. Beautiful. That's brilliant. Mm. That's exactly what a nana should do. That's fantastic. <laughs> well... Keep up the good work, girls. Thank you for being there, and I'm sorry I'm not. We will catch you next Saturday. Enjoy, Enjoy. yourself. Have fun. All right. You too. All right, love. Take care. Cheers for that, love. Okay. All right. 94841927. Okay. Santa's gone. And Parry's post-Christmas sale is on. Massive savings store-wide, all stock on Parry's carpets, timbers, vinyls, hybrid, laminate, vinyl planks and remnants must be cleared. Download their new Bella Summer magazine at parryscarpets.com.au. With free installation and free underlay, you can count on Parry's T and C supply, open seven days a week across five convenient locations. See website for details. Station sponsor. All right, now we also are going to be giving away a $75 Bigger Trees gift voucher today wow. at some point. I know. Have you ever been up to that. Bigger? I have not. I must, must take a trip. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we'll be doing that at some point during the show. We do have a few emails uh, to get to today as well. And I know that Faye's just recently answered some that we received over the Christmas break. And uh, we've got a couple that are coming in the last few days, haven't we? We do. So we have one from Elizabeth. Um, so bragging rights for Elizabeth. She's um, very, very lucky. Her wisteria is flowering. Um, so it's flowering for the second time. Ah. How lucky is she? So yeah, that's got to flowering. do with the way that she's pruning um, and um, also the situation of her wisteria. She's in Claremont and she planted about 20 years ago. So finally, our gardeners are very patient, aren't we? I'm not the most patient person, but a gar- if you're gardening teaches you patience, if nothing sure else, does. doesn't it? Yeah. And uh, that slower pace of life is really something to, to cherish, isn't it? I think uh, these days we need to get a little bit better at that. I was, reading through, busy, I was reading through your blogs actually yesterday and just going back to comments that you were making last year and the changes that are brought about by our situation with uh, COVID, dare I say, and uh, yeah, just 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 even on a personal level, and I really really resonated some of the comments that you made and wrote, and I know you've got a really big entourage of friends in uh, in, in America as well. I and do indeed. So yeah. I can imagine you change a fair bit of uh, information uh, there with is, them yeah. and people's and, mental you know, health and yeah. so important, mm. and um, you know, just getting out into the garden and. Um, just sort of, uh, you know, I, I've got, we've got a couple of bird baths and mm. lots of water bowls and yeah. things in our garden. Yeah. And just sort of taking time just to sit and watch the birds in your garden yeah. and just sort of breathe in nature as it's happening around you is a really lovely thing to do. And, you know, I guess um, we need to think about those things now that we can't 
travel as much as we used to and jump on a plane and head here and head there. Exactly. It's giving us time just to slow down and breathe a little bit and yeah, take maybe time. go out mm. to local places, go yeah. to your local park, yeah. um, go to your go down to the beach, uh, enjoy King's Park. Yes. You know, all these beautiful local treasures that we have around us in Perth are something that we need to enjoy and our own gardens, our own spaces and so many people are beautifying their own spaces mm. uh, which is so lovely to see whereas they used to be maybe too busy and travel so much they're now saying oh you know what I might like to renovate a little bit of my own garden or mm. head on down to the garden centre and see what there is and mm. buy some new plants mm. And, mm. Um, and and I think that's a wonderful thing. To beautify our world around us. Absolutely mm. and, and sort of get a bit more local and yeah. grow your own veggies yeah. and um, yeah. you know and really take a lot of joy I mean I know that a lot of people during lockdowns did sourdough uh, but also a lot of people started growing their own vegetables at home mm, mm. and that gives so much joy and to your children that gives so much joy you know when they pulling out the carrots out of the ground that they they planted only weeks before mm. they can see a quick uh, response mm. and um, you know they don't get too bored they can go out and water them and see them and then eventually pull them out cucumbers is another really fast growing thing that they love or you know teach them how to cook the silver beet that you've been growing and you know mm. I think those things are very special treasures and um, there's certainly lovely memories of my own children in when they were younger yeah. um, do, pulling up veggies and yeah. you know, doing those sort of think yeah. they're not that into it now i must say and <laughs> well, they got their money own involved. Lives. yeah exactly yeah <laughs> you know they've got their own they lives. still do help though which is yeah. great to see. and yeah. and so tell me um you're a gardening consultant yes i am and what does that mean what, what so do you, what um do you i i it's i think it's one of the best jobs in the world i i get a phone call from somebody who says i need help in my garden and you go and i yes. come i go yay yeah a challenge and i go out to their homes and i visit with them i spend about an hour an hour and a half mm. getting to know them and and what sort of lifestyle they lead if they're busy or you know they they love being at home how much effort they're going to be able to put into their own garden yeah. work with them then to develop a plan an action plan for them and that they can either do themselves or I can help them with um, you know, putting them in touch with other subcontractors or I could give them a hand with plants and things like that. So giving them a really good plant list that's going to work for them in their situation so they're not going and wasting money on uh, buying plants that are never going to work, yeah. uh, that somebody recommended or somebody mm -hmm, suggested or mm -hmm. somebody wants to give away, yeah. um, things that are actually going to work for them in their situation. And then I come away and I do a big write-up and I email them the write-up and then they, they're off and running so yeah. it's it, I really find it very enjoyable very rewarding absolutely yeah. and I think it's important too because like we you know as we were just saying a moment ago people tend to wander out to nursery see something they like looks pretty buy it pop it in the ground then it dies and you it know. fails yeah. yeah and that's there's nothing more disheartening as a novice but exactly that's what than I was having everything fail mm. yeah so yeah so that that's that's very important and with your blogging how does that all roll uh, so um, I have been a bit slack lately with my old blog, I must say, but um, I'll get back into it in the new year. Oh, yeah. And um, it just takes time to do that writing, but I'm very passionate about sharing uh, my views about gardening and, mm. and getting other people excited about uh, things that are happening in gardens and mm. giving a bit of my own Andrea Whiteley philosophy on life. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, don't we all avenue. like to do that? No yeah. one else wants to hear what I've got to say. But oh, in my blog, tell I can me write about it. it. Oh, tell me about it. And do you know what the Pantone colour of the year is? We've talked about oh, that. Oh, yes. It's a wonderful uh, lavender bluey colour. Mm-hmm. Very pretty colour. Yeah, okay. I don't actually have the name of it with me. I do. But, I'm uh, being cheeky. What is it? It's what called is it? Very Perry. Yes. So it's a periwinkle yeah. lavender blue. It's a gorgeous colour. Yeah. yeah. No, but I, I know yeah. that you follow that. I do follow that. It's, it's yeah. a good recommendation to... Uh, it's the colour of the year, and it's it's good for those that like to follow trends. Absolutely, and you know, I have a friend in America, in Arizona, and what she does is she has uh, she paints her pots, and so she would maybe use that colour. That's great, and paint the pot for that year. She's a Love she's a that. garden consultant like me, and so she would paint her pots that colour, plastic pots, and or that's how whatever. she incorporates it. That's how she incorporates oh God, that colour into really So she brilliant. might leave the plants and paint the pot. Um, and you can do that quite inexpensively. Yeah. Um, just zhuzhing up your garden in a different yeah. way. Yeah. yeah, yeah, from the inside the house and spilling outside to Absolutely. the house. Absolutely. And, you and say, you'll see that colour coming through in clothing? things like clothing, it will. towels, Pots, decorator items, decor, you know, even paint. Yeah, yeah, paint for sure. People will be doing, you know, love it. A wall of it. Yeah, you'll see that color coming through. It's a pretty color. Yeah, I find that all very exciting. Okay, let's head to Mundaring. Margaret, good morning. Good morning, girls. Hello, Margaret. Andrea, please tell us how to make a wisteria flower twice a year. Well, it's got to do with the time of the year that you prune it. So you have to make sure that um, you prune it at the right time of the year so that you don't prune off the buds. So you wait until it's finished flowering and then um, deadhead it and then let it be again and it should flower again for you. Oh, okay. So you'll get that second flush. But the second flush won't be as good as the first flush. It'll be spot flowering and um, it just won't. It's a bit like your roses after you've deadheaded the first spring flush of your roses. You'll yeah. you'll get a – they'll definitely flower a second time or maybe a third or a fourth time, but um, it won't be as prolific as it was the first time. But definitely they will flower twice. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. So, and because when you've when you've um, deadheaded and um, after the first flowering, yes, is probably a good time to give it a feed. Absolutely. Yes. So you want to um, feed it up with uh, uh, something that's going to promote flower and fruit. Mm. So, um, yeah, having that potassium will be very helpful. Yes, of course. That's great. Yeah, because I've only got a dwarf one, but it's. It's um, quite big. It's it's over a metre in, what's the word, breadth. Oh, okay, right. Uh, so, so what you can, I mean, if it it's gets... only a metre high, it's lovely. The thing about uh, wisteria is it can go mad. There's yeah. no doubt about it. Um, and those long tendrils, I tend to trim mine off. Um, you probably should leave them if you want flowers, but they get a bit, they whack me in the face when I walk past. So <laughs> I like to I do tr- trim those off every mm, now and again. Mm. But um, you've got to be careful that you don't trim it too much when it's in full growth because that you're going to trim off the flowers. But you could um, deadhead it with a, like if it's along the front of your house on a, on a wire, which a lot of people do have, you could get up there with a, a hedge trimmer 
and just deadhead it with the hedge trimmer, just a nice light trim, um, and then it will it could flower again for you if it's absolutely as you said, Margaret had some fertilizer in between and plenty yeah. of water. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, that's great. Thank you very much, Anne. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Your information is very valuable. Oh, thank you, Margaret. <laughs> have a great New Year, love. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, Bye. cheers for that. Now, we do have to have a little break. When we return, we're chatting with Jeanette and Jenny. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening with Ray and Andrea in the studio with you this morning. Thank you for tuning in. Straight back out to the lines. We're in Cardinia. Jeanette, good morning. Good morning. I was listening to you talking, especially Andrea, about the importance of trees and I just wanted to make uh, people aware that anyone who lives in the city of Melbourne needs to have a look at the front page of the Melbourne City Herald because the state planning has um, designated that 13 of our parks are to be reserved for housing that we are going to lose all our trees and our parks eventually. Really? Yes. So apparently in 2016, they um, slipped nine through. Then they added another 12. And this was without uh, Melville Council being able to argue its case. Um, It was done under delegation, which meant that the council didn't get the opportunity to... Um, argue about this, but the Minister for Planning, um, Rita Safati, has okayed that this is all right, that 13 of our local green areas will be designated for housing. Well, Jeanette, um, it's um, a fact of life that we have to have infill, unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, and I, I'm I'm actually a fan of infill um, for sort of uh, low density infill in certain suburbs and I think we need that. But at the same time, wherever we have that, it's really important. I mean, we're a big city, we're growing, we need to have infill and we do need to, um, you know, be mindful that there's people who need accommodation. Um, But at the same time, there needs to be trees planted wherever one is removed, two need to be planted. And I think that the onus falls upon all of us homeowners that we're out there planting trees all the time. I was reading an interesting article uh, recently where it said, you know, if we all plant a tree, one tree this year, um, it will really... um, start to even just one tree per person per household yeah, but are you saying to... that it's okay to take away our green spaces no i don't i think it has to all be about ba- it's a balancing act isn't it um and i think well, wherever they wherever they do need to uh, create infield ha- and have more housing then they need to offset that with more parks elsewhere and more trees elsewhere okay can i just say in my area across the road from me where there was four houses I now have eight mm. houses, and I've been on a committee fighting uh, for stopping. Um, they wanted to go to 100, 120 square metre blocks all through our area. We have a huge number of birds, including um, the cockatoos, the black cockatoos. Yes. And so, forth. so we fought the infill and the council supported us, but we already have a nine-storey apartment block going up um, 
sort of like 500 metres from where I am. And right. part of the area has been designated that it can be built to nine storeys and some of it to four and five storeys. So, but in my particular area, we have a lot of infill. Almost every second house has one behind it. All right, okay. It. Yeah, I know what you mean, so Jeanette. We already have a massive amount of right, infill. Right, yeah. If we lose the, the one and only little park that we have, um, I agree with you, Jeanette. I think it's so, look, it's a sad. Infill, yeah, I agree. Plant house, you know, they've got built to the backyard, built to the side. Mm. They don't put they don't put trees in as much as you might recommend it. They don't they do don't it. Do I know. It, it yeah. relies on having trees elsewhere. Yep. Yes, and you're absolutely right. You're right. Yep. Um, the other thing, you know, with with careful planning by councils, they can. Um, encourage people to uh, buy the plans that they um, that they approve that the just because the people have only got a 120 square meter block or a 200 square meter block it doesn't mean that they can't have green space either in the center of the block and build the house around it or on the outside of it it doesn't have to be taking up the entire block that's the ideal world but that doesn't happen if you look at you know, know, a lot of the new suburbs and that. Yeah. It, it's an ideal point of view, but it's not going to... I, unfortunately, it's not going to happen. Now, Melville Council does not agree with this. What they want is for people to write to their local member of parliament or, you know, saying that we need to keep the green space areas that we actually have. And I would encourage everybody to do that. Write to your local member mm-hmm. and tell them what you want and, the and you know, to the power of the people. And, um, you know, change can happen. We just really need to be, everybody needs to take responsibility and write to your local member and let them know what you want in your suburb. I think that's a great, great move, Jeanette. I think really what what we're looking at, well I only found out about this this morning, is the fact that uh, just to make people aware, because like in 2016 they slipped nine of these through and people had no idea that it was happening. So we just want people to be aware that if you don't agree with this and you think it's important to keep our green space, please do something about it. We will be starting a petition. Wonderful. We already had 450 people on our last um, petition that we did to try and maintain our green space so we're going to be starting again thank you thank you for doing that Jeanette we need more people like you I tell you thank you oh well thanks Jeanette cheers for that now let's head to Safety Bay we have Jenny thanks for waiting Jenny thank you very much for taking my call hi Jenny but, hi, you've been my lifesavers lady for the last year. I lost my husband and I was never a gardener. Now I've had to learn to be a gardener, so I've learned a hell of a lot off you guys. Oh, good that's to good to hear, Jenny. Um, what I would like to know is when is the best time to prune my gardenias? Not now. So what's happening with gardenias right now is you'll notice if you've been watering them that they will be budding up and the buds will be starting to get fat and they'll be just about ready to give you more flowers, which is exactly what you want from gardenias. So with gardenias, what you do is you wait till the flowers are finished and they go brown and crunchy and you just go through and pull those brown crunchy flowers out and you can put them into your compost or just 
chuck them into the garden bed as I do, um, yeah. and then they will rot down and feed the plants more. Mm. Um, yeah. But the, the thing about gardenias is they don't like to be hard pruned. Just tip pruning, right. just yeah. to shape them little yeah. a little bit after they finish flowering, but not in the summer. So maybe yeah. in the wintertime when they're not flowering, just give yeah. them a little prune just to shape them gently, but n- nothing hard. Right. That's, I don't want to do that because I don't want them to actually get smaller. They absolutely, I have one of them I've had, I reckon, 700 flowers already this oh, year. Oh, how divine. Gee. It must smell beautiful at your place. I've, I've found that... Um, they only they hate the soil here in Safety Bay. Any sort of soil, and I've kept. I've just put them in pots, upgraded the pots, upgraded the pots in in the azalea mix, and they mm, are boom. perfect. Yeah, no, you, I keep all of mine in pots too, and I love yeah. them. I absolutely love the fragrance. It's they, divine. They, they absolutely divine. Thank you so much for your help, ladies. You're welcome. Thank You're doing everything you. right, Jenny. Day. Take care, Thank love. Cheers for that. Bye. Bye for now. Curtain Radio. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening. Andrea Whiteley in the studio with me this morning. First gardening show for 2022. Hope everyone had a decent break. We're back out to Alkamos is where we're heading up up the coastline there. Good morning, Connie. Yes, good morning. Um, thank you for having me on. on. Welcome. Um, I'm not an avid gardener. As a matter of fact, I'm hopeless. I'm not green-fingered at all, but I'm wanting to learn. Connie, and nobody I... is hopeless. There is always <laughs> hope. Always <laughs> hope. I know. Well, I, I escaped you. You can tell me that later when you t- when I find when you find out what I've, um, I'm on here for. I have a gardenia plant. It's my favourite flower, mm. and um, I've had. Uh, when I lived in, in uh, Wanneroo, I had them under a tree and they were just absolutely beautiful. Now, I live um, on my own and I'm in an, a unit which is patio front and back. And it's, the positioning is important for these plants, I know. Yeah. And I'm struggling. I bought one a few months ago and it had came up with four flowers and then it died. And I bought two more, and I had one flower on one of them, and I haven't had anything since. And I've had them for about two months, so I don't Connie, know what. Do, can I just ask you? Does your you're in Alcamos, which is right on the beach? Um, are, do you is your front porch facing the beach, facing no, west? I'm not, I'm not down on that side. I'm right. up, down up the other side. And so, um, and which way does your front door face? It faces north. Okay, right. So you've got hope. Lucky you. So uh, if I was you, I would only grow my gardenias in pots mm-hmm. and idea. put them into a potting mi- a really good quality, the best quality potting mix that you can possibly afford and one that is suitable for acidic plants, so for camellia and azaleas. and use that and then your gardenias will be absolutely fine not in the full sun in the shade no no, but apparently they do like the early morning sun and i'm up fairly early yes morning sun's fine but not they don't like the full blast of the the afternoon heat Mm. oh yeah no at the moment i have them sitting in the garage because i don't have any soil i don't have a lawn and so I've got them in pots, but the thing is that um, I don't know how to cut them back. I have a, a fertilizer thing. It, there's the beads that you put on top. Sorry, say that again. 
I have a, a fertiliser. I'm not quite sure how they are, but I'll tell you what they're called. Um, it's a little pot, and they have... Um, oh, in a minute. Sorry. Um, it's a roses, gardenias, um, azaleas and camellias. And, and is it a liquid fertiliser? No, um, plus trace elements. It's um, a granular, like slow a slow release. release. Yeah, okay. and you put, you put that on the top and you just leave it, and I don't know how long. So you must water it in. So mm. you sprinkle it just according to the um, packet's recommendations, just sprinkle mm-hmm. it on the surface of the soil and water mm-hmm. it in thoroughly. Yes, yes. Okay, that's fine. And uh, I just sometimes don't know how much. I've just been topping them up with water morning and um, late afternoon. No, that's too much. So um, in the mornings would be fine, but maybe only twice a week is plenty. Oh, yeah. okay. And the best way to test is put your finger in the pot Mm -hmm. or you could use a, a wooden chopstick. And you mm-hmm. stick that in the pot, and if you, when you pull it out, if the, um, if there's a little bit of soil stuck to it, um, and it's a little bit damp, don't water it. Oh, okay. That's I think you're overwatering them. Probably, probably. I mean, I'm, I maybe I was thinking of cutting them back, and I've no. just them to someone Don't else. cut them back now. No, 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 no. Just leave them, and they'll be fine. They'll come back. But I think you're overwatering. Watch the water. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're doing morning and night, that's mm. too much water, way too much. But it's just topping them. It's not a whole, you know. No, it, they they just don't like having their roots too, too wet. Okay. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, thank you, ladies. You've been most right. helpful. Good luck, Connie. Go well, Connie. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers for now. Bye. Okay, now we've got a couple of minutes before we go to the 9 o'clock news, so maybe we can do an email, I please. can do an email. So we had an email from uh, Trish in Dianella who was wondering if she can cut back her kangaroo paws, and the answer is yes, absolutely. Mm. So mm. when the – and you can do them now yeah. because they love this weather. But you can – so when the flower is spent and it goes all brown and crispy, cut it right down at the base, just the flower, just that – flower stalk cut that right down and then you'll see new flowers coming through Mm. so definitely you can give them a trim back just to tidy them up and keep them looking gorgeous and speaking of kangaroo paws you and i liaised on facebook during the week about the blue kangaroo i know how exciting is that very for that to come out yes he's called the masquerade kangaroo paw and that was a a freak accident that's right that's right and i believe some are going to come onto the market uh at the king's park uh, Botanic, they have some sales a few yes, times a year. Yes, they do. The Friends yeah. of Kings Park sale. Uh, that's yep. right, around March. And uh, I think they're going to be the most coveted oh thing there. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> they, I've, I've, I spotted it oh, some time ago and I thought I actually have to have this plant because <laughs> I'm, I'm attracted to blue. So they're absolutely beautiful what oh, they appear. And I, I, yes, I will crawl over bro- broken glass <laughs> to get them and beat everyone else there. <laughs> For, you know, the people I Sleep overnight for the Friends of Kings Park. I know Park. they do. Yes. Uh, there won't be many releases. of them, I'd say. That's the thing, but, isn't it? Uh, yeah. But, you know, if you're desperate enough, you'll be able to I'm use your connections, right? <laughs> I'm sure. I thought about that and then I thought, naughty girl. <laughs> yes, all right. And, uh, okay, so coming up after the news at five minutes after nine, we are chatting to Grady Brand. Speaking of Kings Park, mm. he is the former curator of Kings Park. He's now happily retired one was suggest but he's going to talk about 
types of plants that we should have in our garden so that uh, I guess everything that we're going through, everything that we're talking about at the moment, uh, there are other ways. One of my favourite people. Ah, yes. Highly knowledgeable, huh? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, it's nine o'clock, everyone. 23.4 degrees as we stand at the moment, heading for a maximum of 28 and sunny. And tomorrow, the maximum will be 32, mostly sunny. And on Monday, sunny, maximum of 35. And we do have some hot temperatures coming up for the rest of the week. Tuesday 39 and Wednesday 40. So here we are on Let's Talk Gardening, talking about how to look after ourselves, look after our gardens in this heat. This is summer. This is Perth. This is what we do, what we have to do. Absolutely. Good time to read gardening books, I think. Uh, It is a great time to read uh, gardening books, actually. Uh, Perfect timing. And uh, to learn about plant responses to climatic conditions here in Perth, we are now chatting with Grady Brand. Now, Grady is the former curator of Kings Park and Botanic Gardens, now happily retired, I would say. Good morning to you, Brady. How are you? Very good morning to you all, yes. I am very happily retired. Hello, Grady. How are you, dear? Very well, Andrea. <laughs> Very well, Andrea. I think you're even speaking slower now. I think so retired. too. Yeah, there's a bit of a drawl <laughs> there. <laughs> you're too yes, laid I back, my friend. Myself, okay? <laughs> Very uh, much enjoying my retirement. I yes. bet you are. What's news in your garden? Still in love with plants. Yes, of course. That'll never change. Never changes. <laughs> yeah. What's What's happening in your garden? Well, you know, I suppose uh, as most people, just sort of caring for it while the temperatures are so uh, mm. extreme. But you know, we're sort of used to that, and yeah. so are the so are the plants. So, Grady, um, what do you do? What do you do? What can you recommend? Well, you know, I'm a big believer in the, using the plants that I suppose have had. Uh, millions of years to think about it and and adapt to these yeah. sort of conditions. And so we're sort of blessed here in West Australia to have such a, a diverse, uh, I suppose, selection of plants that are already adapted for these environments and for these sort of extreme weather conditions. And you know, even they get a little bit knocked around yeah. in the, in the, when the extreme heats come. And, you know, need a little bit of help with some wetter soil and, you know, various things just to keep them looking uh, nice. But, you know, most of the plants from WA, especially, you know, if you're by the coast, then you've sort of got to select ones that like living near the coast. And if you're in the hills, then you would do the same, those that like the heavy soil and all those in the sand plain between those two regions in Perth. There's many species that enjoy those sandy soils and and uh, grow very happily. I suppose as humans, we always try and do the impossible and throw something from another country. And, this is what we do. Mm. Yeah, and sort of mm. try and modify things. And then in the extremes, those uh, yeah. those little experiments often become undone. That's right. But the WA plants, you know, in these extremes lose a little bit of their foliage, mm. their leaves curl a bit and, you know, just reduce the area that's being exposed to the extreme conditions and then they just, when the cooler weather comes or a cooler day, they just uh, bounce back. 
that is that is true. What what do you um, what's your view on uh, hedging plants, uh, Grady, for um, for coastal conditions uh, that would be Australian natives suitable for coast that are going to survive this type of heat? Yeah, well, you know, I think uh, some of the the woolly bushes they uh, really respond well to. Uh, pruning. I know they're a little bit, it's a taller hedge, but you know, just the Albany woolly bush is a perfect plant for hedging if you mm. continually do it and it's great habitat. The flowers sort of flower internally, so in the hedging process, you're not really taking away the nectar from the birds as well. So that's an ideal one. And great for, um, as you say, habitat. But all the birds yeah. just love getting into the Albany woolly bush, don't they? And they uh, do. it's, it's sometimes you see them, the whole plant can be moving with all the tiny, weeny yeah. little birds inside, <laughs> yeah. giving it a good yeah. shake. Yeah, and it's soft and, you know, it's sort of, is the perfect plant for brushing by and, you know, it's sort of not prickly like a lot of the other like a lot of uh, West Australian plants are but you know that's sort of part of their adaptation to the harsh environment but the woolly bush is a is a perfect coastal uh, plant for continual pruning and you can prune and hedge that for you know 10 years plus easily and keep it at about three meters which makes it a really great sc- uh, screen for coastal yeah. conditions too doesn't yeah. it to stop that yeah. wind coming into the garden very true mm. yeah, so a, grady how do how do our yeah. listeners go about for example if they think okay i'm i'm prepared to look at different plantings in my garden plants that have been proven to 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 be do well in 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 this environment in in WA. How do they select? How do people? Is it basically they need to jump online and research? What can they do? They can go to their local nursery, get get recommendation, perhaps. How do people go about knowing the right choices to make in in the wherever they may be situated? Like as you were saying, they could be in the hills, they could be on the coast. It's a little bit of a yeah. a, a lottery for some people, and it's expensive. Yeah, Look, I think I heard you talking about in these uh, in these times, this is sort of your research time. Mm. And, you know, there's lots of really good literature online. Yeah. You know, Kings Park has some good stuff. There's some, still some great books you can get from uh, bookstores and even from your nurseries that sort of talk about coastal plants suitable mm. for. And, you know, yeah, go to your nursery and ask them, for a list of species that they have that are coastal growing and even walking around in your neighbourhood. I always like that idea of actually going, well, these ones are actually performing close to where I'm living and if you like them, then you sort of take a picture and, you know, go and find out what it is, Uh, go to your nursery or go up to King's Park and have a look through the Botanic Garden and see whether you can find the name of the plant and really just start to generate a list of species. And it doesn't necessarily need to be an extensive list, you know, just try with half a dozen that you know are going to work. And it is about finding ones that have similar water uses as well. Not trying to get one that's from the Cary Forest just because it's close to the coast, you know, that gets a lot more rain. You know, sort of try and find ones that, uh, uh, that as you plant them, 
they will all want the same water requirements. I think that's a, that's a really great tip. And you know, if you group plants in your gardens that have the same watering requirements, instead yep. of trying to, you know, you pushing a, a, a rock down a hill rather than pushing it up a hill. And I think it just makes yeah. so much sense. Grouping plants together, and nobody does that better than Kings Park. Um, you can walk through the whole of Western Australia and see the plants grouped together. So you can get a really beautiful plant palette just by going and visiting Kings Park and, and seeing how they've grouped plants together and replicating that in your own garden, and you'll be That's successful. Right. Yeah, and I suppose there's a few other real keys that often go a little bit uh, sort of perhaps don't, not as known as much, but the use of subsurface irrigation is like a very critical element to successfully growing West Australian plants because it puts the water, you know, underneath the ground and not at, uh, at the ground level where the collar of the plant is, so yeah. that remains dry but at least they have water which is, you know, in the top 300 of the soil but not irrigated from above, which is detrimental to West Australian plants. And the other key is, of course, the quality of your plant you buy. Don't be tricked by the $1 bargain. Mm-hmm. It's never going to come good, is it? <laughs> it's never going to, you know, life is too short to mess around with a poor plant. So the quality of your plant is a direct link to how successful your garden's going to be. Good so point. And really... so, and how good are the um, the little tube stock plants? I mean, they just they're really reasonably priced, and they yeah. do so well. Plants, West That's Australian right. plants from tube stock, will grow much faster than a great big plant that you buy uh, of the same yeah. species. Uh, yeah. Will actually thrive a lot better because it's had time to establish in the in the soil where you've planted it. Yeah, and you know, and if you ad- adopt that approach, then you can actually, uh, you know, have a little bit of a trial in your own garden at a, at an increased range because the the dollar value isn't as high for you to purchase, and you can try some new species and. Yeah, it's all about talking and communicating with people that might know a bit of research and get some colours that you like. Everybody's got a different taste and get some of those mixes and combinations going that, you know, really make you enjoy being amongst nature in your own garden. What's in your garden, Grady, just quickly? Touch touch on a few of your faves. Well, our garden is dominated by two very large trees, uh, which we inherited when we purchased our place, but Mm. they are massive big uh, eastern states uh, eucalypts. And underneath that is a a selection of plants that are sort of a little bit more shade-loving because of uh, the dominance of the tree. But at this time of year, those trees are just magic. Yes. And uh, they're a wonderful asset to keeping the the house probably about six degrees cooler than mm. what uh, our neighbours are. Mm. And underneath there's corazimas, ah, yes. which sort of like that uh, that shady. Some of the grevilleas that don't mind a little bit of uh, dappled, dappled shade. And, you know, that's sort of our backyard, really. Mm. Which is very nice, but you know, I enjoy 
assisting others with their garden, which is as much fun. I think after I've retired, I've, I've just stepped into other people's garden and gone, would you mind if I had a bit of a go? They say, no worries. <laughs> are you consulting or you're just doing it as a favour? Just a favour. I run mm. a favour. <laughs> <laughs> the, the beer barter system, Grady? No, no, no. <laughs> just, just, just fun, really. It is fun, isn't it? Yeah. Just having conversations with other people about plants is always good fun. Yeah, it sort of, you know, brings all the neighbours together, really, as you're doing one. The one over the road comes and goes, what are you doing? And mm. you know, next minute you're chatting about West Australian plants and Fabulous. Yeah. protecting our environment and planting the right plants for the right reason, which is... Which is all fun. Well, we would all love to have you as our neighbour, that's for oh, sure. Oh, absolutely, Brady. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, young man, we'll let you get back to your weekend, uh, although it's okay. all one big weekend now for you. So all our best yeah. to Leslie and, and yourself for 2022. Thanks so much, Ray Andrea. All right, Bye. thanks for your info. Thanks, okay. thank you. Okay. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye for now. He's just a little bit too relaxed. Oh, <laughs> I want what he's on. Oh, no. <laughs> Me too. I think it's called retirement. <laughs> yeah, so, oh, it's no. wonderful after many, many years of uh, service to Kings Park that he yeah. now gets to enjoy his time. And he is, you yeah, can tell. Absolutely. That he really is. Yeah. Good on him. 94841927. I can see that we've got calls coming through. You had a couple of things that you wanted to mention as well. I do have a couple of things. Um, the, I've uh, got a wonderful friend at the Ag Department and uh, having a chat with her about uh, things that we need to keep an eye out for at the moment. Yeah. And uh, she said the main one is the polyphagus, the shot hole borer. Yeah. So keeping an eye out for that. And also she wanted me to mention that there's a wonderful resource available that's free and we're all used to downloading apps at the moment, aren't we? <laughs> we're getting good at downloading apps. Uh, so pass, There's yes. a super, super easy app that's been developed by the Ag Department and it's called My Pest App and it's for getting your bugs ID'd, which is yeah. a great thing. While the kids are on school holidays, mm. download the app and get them walking around the garden or mm. going for a walk in the bush and they can identify all the different bugs that they see. So it's called My Pest App, and it's uh, for West Australians primarily, and you can go out and identify the bugs that you see in the garden or in yeah, the no, bush. It's, it's very, very useful. Okay. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention was a we have a, an email here from... Um, from a lady called Rosemary. In, uh, she's talking about lavender. She has lavender in her garden, which mm. a lot of us do. Mm. Um, she's asking what the right time of the year is to prune the lavender. Um, now is not the right time to prune the lavender. So after it finishes flowering, so as the flowers tend to dry off, then it's time just to give it a tidy little up. tidy up. So little and often with the lavender, uh, not a big hard prune. They do not like Come being back hard from that. pruned. No. Yep. So just a nice gentle trim. She's got some here that um, are sort of a rounder shape. Yeah. She should just maintain that round shape yeah. just with either. You can do it with some scissors even. Mm. Uh, you don't need specialised equipment for sure mm-hmm. um, yeah so just keeping them lightly pruned will make sure that they flower again for her when the weather cools down just a little bit 
uh, which would be good. Uh, another lady sent in, uh, we've got uh, Carol down in Pinjarra, sent in uh, a picture of her carob tree mm. uh, that looks uh, to me as it's a very big tree, very healthy, but it's copped the sun. So it is really, really badly sunburnt on the top of it. What can she um, do? There's nothing that she can do about that. She just needs to let the tree be. It will recover. Um, and, uh, yeah, just let it be. Look, you'll see mango trees that have just been burnt. Mm. Um, there's a lot of, like, even some frangipanis, you'll see where the leaves have just oh, yeah, shriveled and gone brown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're asking a lot of our plants and we just need, they'll recover in their own time. And as Grady mentioned, you know, our native, plants as well they'll droop and they'll respond Mm. to the heat Mm. but they'll bounce back they'll Mm. bounce back yeah yes bless okay uh we'll be back shortly and we're chatting with diana about her crepe myrtle 22 minutes after nine you are with ray and andrea this is let's talk gardening if you've just tuned in we're going straight out to the lines we're in menorah diana good morning oh good morning I just want to know, I've seen some crepe myrtle in flower around the suburb. Mm. And they're obviously uh, have been around for a long time in the garden. But I just wondered, how are they slow growers or are they quite fast? It's just that I'm elderly. (laughs) I thought if I'm going to get them looking beautiful, I could be dead before they do. (laughs) Oh, don't say that, Diana. (laughs) (laughs) But I understand you're wanting to get a mature tree. (laughs) So you can definitely Mm. buy a mature crepe myrtle from any of the tree suppliers. Uh, So you can get a bigger one and put it in the ground. It'll do very well. Could Um, I put it in a large pot, a very large pot, because I've only got a courtyard garden. Yes. So you just, um, you could get one. I would tell you to wait until um, the bare-rooted trees come into the nurseries and um, buy a bare-rooted one that you like the flower of. Um, So do a bit of study now while um, they're all in In flower. flower. Mm. So have a look around. Um, There's a gorgeous uh, pale purple one that I bought for my mum and I've put that in a big pot for her and it is absolutely glorious right now. So if you sort of study the form guide a bit with a few, uh, you could go online or maybe go to the library and check out some crepe myrtle books um, and pick the one that you want and then buy it as a bare-rooted tree so it's only going to be small and put that in a pot and it will sort of bonsai itself so it stays in the big pot quite happily for years and years and when it's finished flowering uh, then just give it a little trim to shape right okay and they're fairly fairly quick growing are they they are yes so what will happen is that it'll lose all its leaves obviously in the winter so when yeah. you go and buy it as a bare-rooted tree, it will just be a stick. And then yeah. by the summer, it'll be in full leaf. It'll all be beautifully grown again, and then it will flower about this time of the year. Um, and right. then you'll give it a trim. It's going to lose its leaves again in the winter, uh, let the light in, and um, then we'll give you that gorgeous new growth again in sort of springtime, late uh, late spring, early summer, and right. then you get the flowers again every summer. So it's a lovely plant oh. for sure. Yes, no, they're beautiful. Can I just ask one other question as well? Yes. Yeah. Um, someone gave me a wisteria in a pot 
Right. Uh, just in, from the nursery. Yes. And I was going to get someone to come and put up a structure with wood and everything. Right. But out, out the back I've got a little terrace and it's got an awning over the terrace, you know, a metal awning. And I thought, no, I could train it up over that. But the wisteria, they can be quite, uh, how do you say, in a small space, can't they? Yes, so um, they can be quite invasive for sure. And once you've got a wisteria, you've always got a wisteria. Mm-hmm. Even if you try and pull it out, it's a bit like a rabinia in that way. Mm-hmm. It'll keep on keep on growing even if you try and pull it out. So, And they won't do very well in a pot. They do need to be in the ground. So if I put it in the ground in a, a space that's about two by two, yes. uh, would that be enough to get it going? Absolutely. It'll be fine. Just yeah. put some good tucker in the hole, some really good yeah. mature compost or some multi-mix manure in the hole first. Water right. it in really well and it'll take off. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank good. you. Good luck, Diana. Bye. <laughs> Cheers. Bye. Take care. Okay, drum roll. Santa's gone and Parry's post-Christmas sale is on. Massive savings store-wide, all stock on Parry's carpets, timbers, vinyls, hybrid, laminate, vinyl planks and remnants must be cleared. Download their new Bella Summer magazine at parryscarpets.com.au. With free installation and free underlay, you can count on Parry's. T's and C's apply, open seven days a week. Across five convenient locations, see website for details, station sponsor. Okay, we can carry on. Very good. So um, it's time for us all to get patriotic. The lamb ad has hit the hit the TV. It has, it has. <laughs> so it's the time of the year when we all start thinking about being patriotic Australians and um, being proud of where we live. And I was thinking that it might be nice to zhuzh up the garden with yes. some Australian plants and maybe put some containers around the place Great if you're thought. entertaining. Great thought. So um, you'll all know my three-fingered saying, the thriller, filler and spiller yes. by now, the things that I, the rules that I like to apply to container ideas. And uh, here's what I'd like to suggest. For a great big pot, um, so a decent-sized pot, in the centre, plant one of our gorgeous yellow kangaroo paws. So mm-hmm. you've got that lovely height. And then it's your, that's your thriller. And then, and that's going to attract little birds onto your patio or wherever you place the pot. Um, your filler is a plant called, uh, and I'll spell it C H R Y S O C E P H I L U M, also known as desert flame. And it's a perennial herb with a tiny little yellow flower on it. It's absolutely mm-hmm. gorgeous. Um, so that's going to be the filler to mm-hmm. fill all the gaps around. And then spilling over the front, um, I thought you could put the Scavola Bondi White, which has white flowers. Okay. So normally you see the Scavola, which has the mauve or blue. the purple flowers. Yeah. This one is white. So you'll have yellow, green and white, green Beautiful. and gold. How gorgeous would that, that be? That is beautiful. Um, another alternative, if you want to go traditional with the red, white and blue, there's a beautiful, we were speaking about cannas before, there's a beautiful canna um, which has red leaves, so the deep burgundy leaves, but the flowers are red, 
deep crimson red and uh, this plant is called Show Off Australia. So I thought how much fun would that be? And then you can underplant that with your filler. These are all, this is in a large container uh, with either the Casarina Cousin It for the interesting foliage um, and combining that with the Scavolo Bondi White. Uh, Or you could use the Scavola Aussie Crawl, which Mm -hmm. is the purpley blue one. And um, that has a lovely blue flower. So you've got the red, white and blue. Or you could do a bit of the Scavola Bondi White as well. So you can have a bit of fun with your plants uh, in containers as you gear up towards that special day that we all have off on the 26th of January. Yeah, that's a nice little project for people. Yeah, nice project. And, you know, just planting up something in a um, container is not too exhausting. (laughs) We can all do that. Pick a day and do that. We can manage that. Uh, just put a bit of um, make sure as Grady said that you don't um, over water these plants they just like to be watered at the base mm. um, not near the collar of the plant as he said uh, and the collar of the plant is the bit uh, that sort of between the root zone of the plant and where the plant grows up so um, you don't want too much water around that area because area. you can get rot mm-hmm. around there so um, watering deeply uh, once or twice a week is plenty Enough. for those those container ideas and if you're after an Australian hedge plant as Grady said if you want a tall one the Albany woolly bush is a brilliant one or you could go the Wistringia Aussie box mm-hmm. which is a nice low one and you can even create balls within the garden mm-hmm. uh, and keep that clip they'll naturally grow into balls into that shape into that shape and you just sort of keep them trimmed and they'll be a nice tight sort of you could have a series of them and they're called Westringia Westringia Aussie Box Aussie Box yeah interesting because I'm after something that naturally forms that oh they're circular. great for that okay yep. with little tiny mo flowers in oh even better because that's my I colour know, that's scheme. your colour <laughs> <laughs> okay how would you like to win a $75 gift voucher I'm sure you you would. You must be a Curtin FM member, so you will need to quote that number to Bev when you call in, and of course, not to have won a prize on Curtin Radio in the last 28 days. And Carrie tells me up at Bigger Trees there in Pickering Brook, uh, fabulous colour at the moment in the Frangipani shed oh. right now, and uh, lots out in flower, and of course, many rarer varieties as well. Also, the crepe myrtles are looking spectacular, showing lots of colour, and there's been new deliveries in the past week. Uh, Kiwi fruit vines, citrus trees, and some new succulent hanging baskets, portulaca hanging baskets, very colourful, and various other smaller plants. But, of course, we do know bigger trees for big plants as well. Okay, so you can check out their website if you like, biggertrees.com.au. Here is your question. By what name is Swainsona Formosa better known? By what name is Swain Sona Formosa better known? And John compiles these questions, I might add. 94841927. Whilst you're doing that, we're in Netherlands chatting to Margaret. Good morning. Hi. Um, I've got a Sanquil Camellia. I've had a few, and other ones have died as a result of the extreme tips going brown, mm. the leaves dropping. The one that's at the front in westerly sun, I've now put an umbrella over it. It's reticulated. It certainly is getting moist. There's another one beside it that's doing fine. It's even more in the sun. But the one that's struggling, um, it seems to have cobwebby stuff on it. I just wonder if there's a particular bug 
that mm. gets on to the medias and so, lots of those brains. Yeah, so it could be the spider mite, I yeah. would say, with mm. the um, if you see that sort of webbing, it's usually yeah. the spider mite. So you can go down to your local garden centre, Margaret, and ask for something for spider mites. Uh, and yeah. with the leaves I've got browning... I've in, in the garage, so I'm sure it'll just be called spider mite. I've, I've got some bug sprays in the garage. So but make sure it's specifically it. for that, yeah, for sure. Okay. So, um, yes, and they will also... The, it, you'll see it on azaleas and camellias, and um, it will make the leaves go brown. doesn't matter how much you water. It's not to do with the watering. It's got to do... So you can keep on water, 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 but it won't, won't fix it. It's, it's the mite that's causing the problem. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I do have another question, if possible, Andrea. Sure. Um, I've also got uh, um, the climbing rose growing up the side of the garage, also facing west, reticulated. There's another rose beside it, not a climbing one. It's doing well. This one has just not put any growth on at all this year. I put compost around it, you know, when I pruned it. Yes. It's fed, it's everything, and it just it's just static. It's not doing anything. Is it, is it dead? Have you, um... No, it's, no, it's certainly not dead. No, it's got green leaves on it. Okay. There's just no new growth, you know. None. Right, okay. So it could be... So is it put on any new growth at all? Nothing? Um, it did initially. I got three or four flowers off it in, mm. I think, before we hit the really hot spell. Yes. Um, but nothing since, and there just doesn't seem to be any new little shoots coming on at all. The one beside it's got lots of green shoots. Okay, I would give it. Are you giving it just the drip irrigation from the reticulation? It's it's underground drip. It, okay, it, good. And yeah. I'm also, but I'm also hosing it. And I, I hose it almost every day now to try. And oh no, that's too much. So um, okay. if you and sometimes you know giving a plant too much water can actually be the same as giving it no water. It it can't cope with having too much water. So roses okay. are pretty tough. I would only mm. be watering it twice a week, but I would be mm. giving it some additional water. Um, and on a cooler day, you could give it um, a liquid fertilizer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, something thrive, for something like that. just thrive or no I would give it a good quality liquid fertiliser for flower and fruit okay um, uh, and so or a so seaweed so tonic yeah. would be good um, oh, but uh, not on a super know. hot day okay so either early in the morning or late in the evening if I have that's to. right yeah early in the morning probably be the best and then it will take it up it just seems like it's probably not got enough nutrients look it'll take off eventually uh, but it's mm. just you want to get it started a bit a bit quicker than it's just taking time to get settled into that spot and it might just have sort of hit a limestone oh, block been, or it's something it's been there three or four years Andrea, and it right. did grow well in the first few years yeah um, what's the what's the variety margaret a gold bunny. Oh, oh it they, should be. They yeah. normally yeah. fire yeah. away. Look, I'm I'm probably not as patient as you, Margaret. <laughs> uh, if it wasn't doing if well in that spot out, by now, I would have pulled it out and moved it. Now, if I do take it out, can yeah. I plant another one in the same spot or you're not meant You can to plant that? another type of rose. I just wouldn't put a gold bunny back there. Okay. Right. I'd put something oh else there and put the gold bunny maybe in a pot with a trellis or put it somewhere else in the garden. Um, okay. Because it obviously just doesn't like it. Sure. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and so that's you've so given it a fair, it you've given it a fair chance. So I'll wait till I prune it down in autumn or. Oh, look at this time of the year! Then. You could pull it out. It's actively growing. You could oh, pull okay. it out and, and put it into into another part of the garden now if you wanted. Okay. Not this week, maybe. Wait off, till yeah. it cools down a bit. But <laughs> yeah, okay. you could even do it. You could do it today. Might be a bit too hot. 
Okay, but print, I'll have to print it down. No, 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 I wouldn't oh. print it. Or maybe just a tiny little tip prune, mm. but because you technically should take whatever, whatever, um, say, whatever the root, say you've had to cut off some of the root, you should take mm. whatever you take from the bottom, you should take from the top as a, oh, as okay. a general rule. So, yeah, okay. but after three years, it won't have had that much growth by the sounds of it anyway. So just a mm. tiny little tip prune will be enough if you want to move it at this time of the year. All right, cross my fingers. See how yeah, that's right. Save okay. a few Hail Marys, it'll be all right. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks. Thanks, Cheers, Margaret. Okay. Cheers for that. Bye-bye. Now, we do have a prize winner, Linda. Thanks for playing with us. We do have a prize winner for our $75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees. Now, the question was, by what name is Swainsona Formosa better known? And the answer is Sturt's Desert Pea. A very, very beautiful plant indeed. Now, let's go to Belga, just looking at the time. Yes, we can do this. Good morning, Beryl. Uh, Good morning, Ron. And I heard you say before about the agapanthus Mm. to leave the leaves as they are. What about the uh, stem of the flower? Do I cut that off? Yes, so when it's finished uh, flowering, Beryl... um, you will cut it down right at the base so where the leaves are you cut it follow the stem all the way down to the center of the plant and then give it a trim but wait till it's finished flowering to do that yeah it's uh, the sun's pretty well knocked it all completely yeah Yeah, no trim that off because it was an absolutely beautiful show but um do i know what was i going to ask do i um Leave the leaves as they are on all the ones that are in pots as well. Have you got agapanthus in pots as well? Yes, I have. And yes. did they go a white and crispy? <laughs> the ones in the garden have, yes. Yeah. So um, I would have. just leave the ones in the garden. But if you've got them in pots around where you're sitting and, you know, wanting to enjoy them, I'd remove those spent leaves just because you don't want to be looking at them. Yep. But if they're in the garden, I would definitely leave them and right. um, let them um, mulch down and just feed the plants. And they'll also okay. protect them a little bit from the uh, Wednesday's uh, big hot day again <laughs> okay great thank you very much All for your right help then. thanks Beryl thanks Beryl bye. cheers bye. It can be disheartening. That's a better word than depressing. Yeah, no. <laughs> disheartening. Yeah. <laughs> we wait all year for for certain things to flower and then the sun comes in and zaps it. I know. I the know. agapanther stems, once the flowers are spent, they are beautiful, just the structure of the I stem. I think so. And you can yeah. cut them and they look lovely indoors. As a, I know. In I, a, in I always have a bunch bath. of them going indoors. Yeah. And I just love watching the wattle birds at the moment. They hang upside down yeah, on dangling the stem. off. Them. And put their their beak right things. in there yeah, to yeah. get oh, the nectar. Must taste really good. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> okay, we'll be back in a moment. Thanks for your company this morning. It's uh, our first program for the year. Let's talk gardening, and uh, we'll. Uh, be uh, keeping you company every Saturday morning between 8 and 10, between now and the end of the year. Let's head out to Maida Vale. Lynette, good morning. Good morning and happy, happy New Year. Happy New Hi, Year. Um, I, I've, I've been given what I was told was um, poor man's orchids yesterday and I put them in potting mix. Is that all right? Uh, can you describe what a poor man's orchid is? Yeah. Well, it looks like an orchid. Um, it, it's got the leaves, so the, the same shape. So I just sort of 
And does it have a flower? Well, not yet. It hasn't. They were just plants. They were just given to us at the so- at at the shop, and um, we and, and each of us got a few plants each to take okay. home. So, all right, lovely. And it... so, what uh, what shape are the leaves? Long and thin. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, yeah. I'd, uh, and has it got like? Um, do the the roots look like uh, long, skinny white worms? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Very good. I, I cut them back too. So, cause oh, I cut you cut back, back. back. Okay. All right. So, I would then go to the garden centre and buy some orchid potting mix. Oh, orchid potting. It does need the orchid potting mix. Yeah. Yeah. Use right. that um, because uh, that's a good coarse mix for oh, right, orchids, okay. and it won't get too. Because otherwise, the roots, especially if they're those long, skinny, worm-like um, roots. They will, um, they'll rot if you put them into a dense potting mix. So just a nice coarse mix would be great. And in a pot and in a sort of a shady, shady spot, that would be fantastic. Right. Okay. Yeah. At the moment, I've got them in, in some just ordinary straight potting mix and, and, um, in a pot and, and I've got them in a bucket of water. So. Oh, okay. No, take them out of that potting mix and go and buy some orchid potting mix. Okay, thank you. All right, thanks, Annette. Good luck. Cheers. Bye. Okay, go well. Bye for now. And let me see, Brian of North Perth uh, is asking if you could please repeat your potted flower ideas for Australia. Okay, all right. So your thriller, this is for green and gold pots. Uh, So the thriller, the yellow kangaroo pour, the filler is a plant called, if you just ask for a perennial herb called the desert flame, we'll have lovely little yellow flowers on it. And then the spiller is the scavola bondi white. So that's if you want green and gold with a splash of white. And then if you wanted something with red and blue uh, for the flag sort of colours, you can go with the canna called Show Off Australia, which has red flowers on it and the red leaves plus the Casarina Cousin It as a filler, and then two spillers, Scavola Bondi White and Scavola Aussie Crawl will give you red, white and blue. Perfect. Thank you very much. And we were going to touch on roses. Let's yeah, mention the dreaded chili Chili threat. threat. So first of all, um, something nice about roses is um, we have a wonderful story from Maureen who um, has, uh, she's been an Australian plant guide for over 40 years and she recently discovered that uh, one of her Nana's roses had been named um, in honour of uh, the uh, Girl Guides. Mm. And she was wanting to find out some more information about that. And it's called the Girl Guide Rose, uh, named after Rose Kerr. And uh, she was just wanting some more information about the, you know, the timing of that and so on. If she can't find, it's a beautiful rose with, uh, it almost looks like peace, I guess, but a bit more apricot. Um, I suggest that she goes to one of our specialist rose growers and they'll be able to help her out. Um, in particular, our old mate Bob Melville. Absolutely. He'll know that information for sure. So now let's talk about the dreaded chili thrip. Um, so everybody this year that I've spoken to has received a beautiful present in the springtime yes. with our roses uh-huh. and they've been divine because of all of the rain and yes. we all pruned them at the right time and we've had these stunning flushes of beautiful roses. Um, most people have. 
Now the second flush of roses is starting to show signs of the chilly thrip. Mm -hmm. So here is what I recommend for everybody who is seeing that. So you'll see the stems starting to go, the new growth particularly will start to go black, black and shrivel up. The actual, if any blooms are uh, evident, they'll be tiny, they'll be quite ugly looking and um, not worth keeping on the plant. So here's what you need to do. Cut off all the affected growth, including the flower buds and open flowers. Make sure always good hygiene whenever we do any trimming. Um, so rake up all of the fallen leaves and any of the spent flowers. Put them into a bag and put them into the red littered bin because mm. we don't want them going back into the compost. No. Um, and then every seven to ten days we need to spray them with... Um, a product that is suitable for thrip. So if you just go to the garden centre and ask for something suitable for thrip, um, there's you can use neem oil, which is quite expensive, but um, you can use that for sure. Um, but there's also another product, there's a variety of products that you can use that are suitable for thrip. So if you specifically go and ask for that, you'll be fine. So you've got to spray every seven to ten days mm -hmm. until the new growth starts emerging, uh, emerging and looking healthy again and mm. it's fine it's the they they always emerge when it's warm like yeah, this with this yeah. heat so ensure that the entire plant and the underside of the leaves are well soaked so spray it until it's dripping, dripping. that the whole plant has been covered and you might need two or three follow-up sprays after that mm. um, and just keep an eye on it you know we talked about going out into the garden in the mornings and uh, just keeping an eye Faye was saying that so have a look in the mornings and maybe late in the afternoon and you'll start to see the roses respond to the spray but you have to do it after it's been pruned and don't prune on Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> on the day of 40. Don't prune yeah. anything no, on Wednesday. No, no. Wednesday's a day of rest. Yeah, exactly. For <laughs> Wednesday's all. our new Sunday. It's yeah. a day of rest yeah. for everybody. So you might need to continue that spray regime mm. for, you know, if, you, if you've got it really badly. Um, and sadly, you might even lose a bush or two if you haven't got the spraying and you haven't got that activity happening. Um, soon enough, you yeah. might lose some some. So some I have it. I have it, and I, I guess I first noticed the some new growth coming through. It's soft. It's asparagus like. Yes, exactly. And when you touch right. it, it's you can bend it. You can bend it, and it, it has this funny fern like uh, leaf foliage yep. at the tip, and that's how I first started identifying it. It's Absolutely. not in all my roses yet, but it's there. I have it. So prune it off before it gets into all of your roses, mm -hmm. and just yet keep monitoring it. Yeah, plastic Rotten bag in the red litter bin. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so disheartening. Disheartening. There's that word again. <laughs> yes, yes. It's, it, it feels like a little bit of a battle out there sometimes, doesn't yes, it? We, we are up against ground. it, but it's okay. <laughs> we're, 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 we're fit. We can handle it. Absolutely. 94841927. Ten minutes left of the program. If you'd like to chat with Andrea this morning, she is our expert in the studio, in the chair for Faya Caro, and she will return next Saturday. What what did Father Christmas bring you, by the way? Oh, I was very spoiled. Were you? Well, I collect um, a certain brand of pottery that comes from Wales that's mm. called Botanic Garden. 
and mm. um, it's uh, called Port Marion Botanic Garden. I've been collecting it since I was 16 oh and goodness. it details all beautiful uh, flowers and plants. Mm. So um, I was very spoilt with two new bowls mm. and um, I got a lovely handbag. So mm. I'm feeling very, very uh, girly at the moment, I was Ray. going to say, they are girly presents. <laughs> I, I bought myself for uh, my own Christmas presents two hoses and a hedge trimmer. Wow. Mm. Oh, you yeah. did very well for yeah, the Yeah, I was pretty yeah. happy with that. Yeah, yeah, that's what I wanted. That's what I and needed. I got an air fryer. Oh, oh! <laughs> did you want that? I did. I oh, well, did, that's yeah. all right it was then. A very that's lovely right gift then. from my mother. Uh, hello, mum. Everyone, <laughs> everyone's using them. I know I they're have so great. Mm-hmm. Really, really good. Yeah. And, uh, Fuss free, and you don't have to have the oven going, which is really that's good. A, yeah, that's in a the bonus. Yeah, absolutely. On, on, particularly on Wednesday. On Wednesday. <laughs> All right, we'll be back shortly. <laughs> About seven minutes of the program left. You've got Andrea Whiteley, if you'd like to have a chat with her in the studio with me this morning. This is Let's Talk Gardening. Let's head to Kingsley. Elizabeth, good morning. Very good morning, Andrea good and morning, Ray. Good morning, Elizabeth. How are you? Really good, thank you. Good. I'm hoping you can help me. I've been given a peach tree. Now, what's happened is the peach tree looks like it's been potted, but it's been um, the pot you know, grown out of the pot and it's been stuck into a bigger pot. All the roots have been cut back. Now, I've been watering it vigorously, and I see a little bit of... Um, growth coming from where the graft is. Oh, okay. Nothing else on the tree. It it did have a little bit, but with the sun, the sun's burnt all the the new shoots and everything. Right. Should I leave that new growth that's just coming through, or should I break it hoping that the rest of the tree will will eventually uh, rejuvenate? So tell me, the, um, the stems that are coming from above the graft... So yes. the, the, the grafted bit, is that dead or alive? When you break a bit off, oh, is no, it that, brown? Uh, and the, as, as it's, it's about halfway, it's all alive. You can see, because when you scratch it, it's lovely and green. Oh, good, but good. on top of that, they're quite dead on the, on the very, very top of the tree. Okay. And the tree is probably about five foot, five foot okay. tall. All yeah. right. Well, it, it's not sounding too good to me. I'm sorry to say, Elizabeth. Oh, no. Um, Especially if you're getting a lot of growth below the graft, but look, you know, all no, is not no, lost. No, it's not below the graft. Okay, it's that where the graft has just been put on the graft. Where yes. the graft is, I'm seeing just a little bit of green, just where the graft has. Been. I mean, it, I've got the original stem coming up. Okay, from the original stem, there's a little bit of green coming, just a little bit of green coming up from that. Should I break that off? Or I would. It, it sounds to me like that is actually coming from from the rootstock, from below the graft. No, no, it's not. It's, it's not. Just, oh, okay. Oh, we'll leave it. Don't don't cut it off. But I would cut the top bit off that is dead. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. good. Um, and is it in the shade or in the sun? I've got it in the shade at the moment. Okay. Yes, I'm protecting it a little bit. All right, that's and, um, okay. So yeah, just in the, a bit in the shade. And if you, uh, it's, how often are you watering it, Elizabeth? Uh, probably once every second day. That's fine. So like twice a week is plenty. Just don't let it dry out, but um, also don't overwater it because it will just rot. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, and I would cut back the dead the off the top. 
I've been plant, called the uh, plant nursery to rejuvenate things and this was going to be thrown away and I thought, oh no, I'll take it and I'll see if I can make it work. So if that's happening, that's wonderful. Give it a try, yeah, for sure. Look, it's always worth a try, um, breathing new life into something. But as uh, Grady mentioned, a bad yes. plant is a bad plant is a bad plant. And if it's on the $5 um, bin at the nursery, it's usually been around a while. And um, But, you know, the challenge is good. Yeah, that's good. Thanks, Andrea. <laughs> Have right. a good day. Thank bye. you. Thanks, Ray. Bye. Right. See, see you, love. Bye. And let's head to Canning Vale. We're talking about a desert rose. Just waiting for that call to come through, uh, which is happening right now. Okay, we can do this. Jill, good morning. Hello. Hi, Hi. Jill. Uh, I just turned the radio off. Thank you. Um, my daughter's got a desert rose. Yep. And... During the winter, it was in a position where it got heaps and heaps of rain. So the it's sort of gone all soggy. So oh, okay. So, so um, my desert rose is in full bloom at the moment. I'm they bragging. Are. Mine is mm. absolutely gorgeous. So what you need to do in the winter is put it in a a sort of semi-shady spot with absolutely yes. no water in a pot. Yeah, she- she has moved it, but can she do anything about the like the the stem? Just don't water it. Let it dry out completely, and it should come good. They're tougher than you think, so just don't water it at all. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, well, I don't think she is watering it oh, at the moment. Yeah. But it, you know, yeah. if it's already is it if it's very very soggy and squishy, it usually indicates that it's been overwatered. Um, yeah. You know that could be the, from the rain or, but it, they're best in a pot, and you really let them dry out. Yeah, well, the position she's got it in at the moment, obviously it's getting a lot of hot sun. <laughs> yes, and she hasn't watered it, so it will come back. It will come back. Look, you think about um, they grow them down the streets of as a street plant in Broome, either side of the highway. Uh, you just see them just all planted out there and they do very well and they do well because they get the monsoony rain so big heavy rain and then they get hot hot sun and they dry out completely so it's that sort of um, fight or flight with those type of plants they don't like being watered all the time so if you let it dry out it should come good but it probably won't flower this year maybe next summer okay but stick with it Thank you very much for that. All right, then. Thanks, Jill. Thanks, Jill. Bye. And we have to wrap up, but just quickly we were going to touch on, is it too late to talk about tools? Tools. Let's just talk about, so just we quickly. need an activity for Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> Grab your secateurs. 40 secateurs. on Wednesday, just in case you didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> Grab your secateurs and um, time to give them a bit of a clean. So you can do that like with a gentle scourer. Give them a nice clean on the blades and, um, you know, sharpen them up. Give yeah. them all a bit of a spray with uh, a WD-40, something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Get them all going. Give them a clean up. You can do the same with your little hand pruning saws. Make sure that they're all nice and clean maybe they wipe them over with a bit of bleach mm. um, and just make sure that your tools are all ready and nice and clean and all prepared for the next time that you go out into the garden because soil is the enemy of secateurs for anyone that's pulling weeds out with secateurs oh okay <laughs> yeah so whenever you do that and then you close up and you haven't cleaned them they'll you'll they'll tend to rust and seize up and i treat know, my tools badly yeah i do yeah well guilty, guilty as charged men say you can redeem yourself right i i shall okay look thank you very much for coming in today you're very 
welcome. our first program for the year. It's been fun, lots of great questions and lots of lots of gardening things happening out there and lots for us to... So much for people to do. Today's a beautiful weekend. Get out and visit a garden centre or go up. There's lots of activities up in the hills. Yeah. Go and buy some stone fruit up at Pickering Brook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. And actually a friend of mine, she texted me during the week and she said to me, we deserve good gardens, Ray, because we dream about our gardens. And it really uh, resonated with me because she was just chatting on a text and I thought only another gardener would understand that. That's so I'll exactly leave you right. with that as my gardenism for the morning. Thank you to Bev and John. Jim Crinan up next with the classic 70s uh, till 12 noon, then Brendan T with Born in Boots. Look, keep cool, take care of yourselves, everyone, and thank you for your company. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.